0: Flash forward. I've been told that I have a problem. Well, more of a habit, really. A bad habit, said Bowie, as he sat on the chair that faced the bed that I was sat upon in the hotel room that I reserved for the night. And what habit might that be? No, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Perhaps, perhaps you've got a habit of leaving and then returning when you feel like it. I asked with a condescending smile. It seems like only yesterday that I saw you. You look remarkably well, all things considered, said Bowie, as he sat in the leather hotel room chair with his elbows on the arms of the chair and with all five fingers of both hands touching one another as if attempting to form the shape of a tower. All things considered, what have you heard? I asked with a smile and with a forced expression of contentment. At least, I hoped that was what I was expressing on my face, because that was what I was struggling to convey. I didn't know need to hear. I know, he replied with a long and unblinking stare. Then, what do you know? I asked, as I wondered whether he could peer inside my mind. I know you, and I know what you have been through. I too, I too have been through a transition, you could say. A transition here, a change there, since we last saw one another. Some changes were self-induced, however some were forced upon me by a force of nature that I have been rebelling against for as long as I can remember. I have met many people. I've helped many new and wonderful friends. I have. I've had my own faith in myself tested. I've been struck down, and yet here I am. And just in time, he said with a wry smile as he put the tower that was his fingers up to his pursed lips. I can see that. To be honest, you have definitely looked better. It is as if I can read your entire life story by looking at the lines on your face, by seeing how much of a mark time has left on you, I said, admittedly in a cruel overtone. Why, thank you. I see now that you also wear many both invisible and prominent scars from the intervening time we have not seen one another. And yet, just like me, you are still here. Tell me. Who are you? Who are you now? What happened? What brought you here? he asked as he took his fingers away from his lips and settled both hands again on the arms of the leather upholstered chair. Long story short, I replied, well, what can I say? Life, I guess. Life has. Life has not been kind to me. In some ways, for short periods, maybe it has, but for the most part, life has been hard. I sometimes look at the rest of the world and I think, could it possibly get any worse? I mean, have you seen the world recently? It's like a bad joke or a bad dream. It's like somebody somewhere just decided to turn the world upside down. And you know what? I can't help but think that, that maybe it is all your fault. You know, your whole rebellion, your big project to change the world, how you see fit a little bit at a time. How has that all been working out for you, by the way? I asked in a sarcastic tone of voice. Small moves. I'm patient. I'm tenacious. I'm happy to put the time into something that means more to me than anyone else could ever know. I believe in what I have done and what my actions mean. And, if necessary, I plan to die again and again in order to make sure that this world continues spinning and its people keep surviving and outliving themselves, he said with a wide smile of what happened to be delight and pride. Any opportunity to toot his own horn. You know, I've been doing some reading of some stories and I've been doing some listening to some music and I think that I have found out who you are and what your name should be, I said as I momentarily recalled something that I both remembered reading in a book and something that I had heard in a song that was also the song title of the posthumous gift of the real David Bowie that he had left for his fans in the form of his album, Black Star, which was released a year after his death. And what name might that be? he asked with a smile, and with what looked like a genuine expression of intrigue. Lazarus, I said with a grin, as I could feel a wave of emotion start to rise, as if I had a pool of hot lava within me that was about to explode outwardly like a volcano. It's like you are in a, a continuous and repeating state of death and resurrection. Jesus will be proud, I said sardonically, while continuing to smile, however, now through gritted teeth. Very apt, very funny, very predictable, he said with a smile and with a laugh that echoed round the room. Do you know why I'm here? I asked. I do. Do you? He replied immediately. Of course. I've been thinking about it for a long time, even before you and I first met, even before I met, I said, however I stopped myself before I said her name. Annie? He said, as if he'd picked her name right out of my mind. That's right, he knows about Annie. New Year's Eve. New Year's Day. You were right, by the way. I never saw her again. I hear she's married with kids now. Best thing that ever happened to her. Seeing someone behind my back dumping me by text message on New Year's Eve slash New Year's Day. Life worked out great for her. I bet she hasn't once thought about me in all the years since we last saw each other. (sighs) That's life though, huh? I said as I forced myself to revisit the image of Annie's face within my mind, a face that I have tried not to imagine, but sometimes with varying degrees of success. Can I ask you a question? He asked. I nodded my head slowly in reply. Why haven't you done it yet? Why have you waited this long? Why now? Why here? He asked, as he raised his eye his eyebrows and his voice slightly and came forward in his chair so that he was a little closer to me. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe I've been waiting for you. Maybe I thought you would be here. And then maybe I could ask you what I am sure everybody who you have ever met has asked you. Where have you been? And what have you been doing? It is good to see you, though, and I am glad that you did come here to say, to say goodbye, I guess, I said, as tears began to fall from my eyes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I was kept away. I'm sorry that, from your perspective, I seem to come and go as I please, seemingly without any thought to those who I have interacted with. But from my perspective, not that much time, as you would define it linearly has passed since the last time we saw each other, and now, he explained. You see, to me, the universe, time, past, present, future, is all happening now and as one. When I step into this world, and into a particular person's life, it is as if I am stepping off a spinning carousel like returning to land after travelling across a vast ocean and standing on the seemingly still island-like reality of what you see and how you experience the world that presents itself to you through your senses. For me, everything is infinite. However, I have repeatedly been taken to other places, other realities where I have been forced to sit and to wait, but without the power and the means to go where I wish, he said looking almost sad from what I could read in the often enigmatic and unclear expression on his face that he presented most of the time. Then, why do it? Why come here? Why us? Why me? I asked, as I caused the furnace of emotions within me to emanate with as much heat as I could. Do you think I made you do all that you have done because I came to you and I saved your life? He asked, as he leaned forward in his chair even more. Honestly, I replied, before I took a breath. Let me ask you something. What have you been doing? Who have you been interacting with? The changes that you have made, the influence that you have had over the people of this world for... For millennia, for eons, forever, for all I know. Everything that you have done. Did you ever consider what would happen next? I almost screamed as I steadily raised my eyes and my voice. You say that you are a rebel. You were a rebel when I first met you and you still are. But even you have repeatedly been chastised by by him ever. and yet you still haven't learned. Learned why some things must happen and why some things must not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say this, but you do not know what lies behind the veil, behind what you call life, he said with a passion noticeably emanating from his eyes. I can't give everything away but reality, for someone like me. When I am not being who I know I am meant to be, makes me feel like the loneliest person that has ever lived. I am sure that you can understand where I am coming from and what I mean, he said as his eyes appeared to gloss over. We are not the same. No matter what I do, nothing I do matters. People leave me and they never come back. I said, as I genuinely struggled to speak through the veil of my own overwhelming emotions. I did. I always do. Have you ever considered why I come to those I choose, and not to everybody? Have you ever considered that you might be special? He said, almost looking as if he were about to cry. Special? More like cursed, I snapped back. Well. Sometimes they can seem like one and the same, I'll grant you. But they are not always mutually exclusive to one another. However, like most things, it is all about perspective, he said, obviously annoyed and agitated by my retorts. I know who you are. I can see everything that has happened to you in your life in a split second. I know why things happen and what will happen next. And I suppose that is why I am here. I will not let you do what you want to do and what you intended to do here in this room tonight, he said, in an intimidating tone of voice that frightened me. What am I doing? I thought to myself. I am literally debating the morality of and attempting to stand in judgement over the most powerful being I or anybody has ever known. I am right to question him. It is always the right of everybody to question their, their, their God and who they think they are, for better or for worse. Can I ask you a question? I asked, before I took a long inhale and exhale of breath. Of course, he replied, with less intensity in his eyes now. Do you believe in free will? Do you believe in people deciding their own fate and making mistakes? Or do you believe that you should be the only one who decides whom, what, when and where fate is doled out? I asked quietly. Free will? Free will? Hm. If only people knew what true free will meant, and what it would mean if everybody were able to do all that they wished and dreamed of doing. So much is decided and was decided upon even before the first roll of the cosmic dice and the first puzzle pieces started to be put into place. Some things, small things, what to eat, what to watch, what to say, what to believe, are all open to expression and to individualistic decisions. But if you eat too much, if you drink too much, if you smoke too much, then there are always side effects and consequences and experiences from which you have to recover from on your own. Some things, however, are almost preordained. They're inescapable. They're genetic memory territory. They are intrinsic and no matter what you do and where you go, there they will always be staring right back at you in the mirror every day. And then, there are the things that must be controlled, shall we say. With all the weapons on this planet, guns, bombs, people who believe that their God wants them to kill as many people as possible, and by doing so they will get a one-way ticket to the paradise of their dreams that awaits them. For those people, there has to be oversight. There has to be those who keep a balance, even one that is as imperfect as can be, he said as he stared deeply into my eyes. But if that is the case, then why do people continue to kill each other? If there is constantly somebody or something that is watching and steering us as a species away from self-annihilation, then why does murder still happen every minute of every day? Why are people dying of hunger? Why are people injecting themselves with drugs? Why are people allowed to to commit suicide and take other people with them? I asked as tears streamed from my eyes, as I felt myself fall forwards until I was standing upon my knees on the floor and looking up at Bowie from the hotel room's beige carpet. Why? Why? I asked as I looked into his eyes again. If you are so powerful, if I if you are so determined and forthright in your belief that you know better and what is best for everybody else, then why? Why? Why don't you Why don't you just just, just stop the killing, stop the pain? Stop the division, stop the fear, stop the cruelty. Stop the heartbreak. Stop murder. Stop death. Just let us all live and die happy. Why don't you give us give us all a reason, a strong and universal reason to live in peace with one another? You say you say that you know what is going to happen, and that instead of letting things happen it is your destiny and your decision to rock the boat and be the instigator in the creation of a new roadmap for us all. Do you know what that makes you sound like? Arrogant. Dictatorial. Demonic. Deceptive. And you have been deceiving not only others, but yourself as well. If you truly believe that everything happens for a reason, then why not let what is supposed to happen, happen? Who are you to decide the fate of others? Rebel all you want. Believe. What you want. But do not. do you not think that imposing your beliefs on others is what will change them for the better. People don't like being told what they should do, especially when they have lived a life only knowing the gift of freedom. You think you are liberating people from. from fate? From God? From a predestined plan that involves them getting hurt in some way? From living? You truly think that you are helping people by showing and creating a new path for them to walk down. But the only problem there is you are not much of a shepherd of your flock. You come here, you upset the apple cart, you influence people into doing things and then you're gone again. Who gives you the right? What makes you do what you do? Who is to say that you are doing the right thing? Because you do not share the same way of thinking as as your peers, as you call them, obviously. I'm on my knees. I'm no longer even speaking directly to Bowie anymore. I'm so angry. But mostly I'm disappointed. I'm where and when I always envisioned I would be at this moment. I can't hear Bowie any longer. I don't even know if he is still in the room. All my emotions, all my thoughts feel centered, even though I feel almost paralyzed in place and unable to move. I'm lost for words. I'm lost for life. I'm ready. Ready to do what I came here to do. I'm ready to die. I'm sorry, I screamed into what I believe is now an empty room, however filled with all that I had emoted and all that I had expelled into it. I'm sorry, I said again, however now more subdued. I put my tear-soaked face into my hands and I continued to kneel on the floor and cry until I could feel myself begin to drift away, as if my spirit was now leaving my body, as if I were dying, though not dying in the manner that I had planned for, nor envisioned.